Welcome to Avatar with Academics. I am Sam Mulberry, and I have never watched Avatar The Last Airbender. And I'm Annie Berglund, and I have watched it before. Annie, we have we have made it to the end of season one. This is I I'm so excited because we've been waiting so long. We've put so many hours into this series so far. I know, it's kind of crazy. Um so we are up to Book One Water, Chapter 19, The Siege of the North, Part 1. Ooh, does that mean there's a Part 2 coming? There is. So we're only going to be dropping one episode this week, and then uh, because of the Thanksgiving holiday, we won't be recording next week, so we set, we thought instead of giving you two this week and nothing next week, we'll stretch it out. Yeah. Because this one actually has a cliffhanger ending, so it's it's kind of perfect. Mm-hmm. So let's jump right into the, uh, right into the summary. So... The episode opens uh, on the Water Tribe city. Does this city have a name? It occurred to me. I mean, they call it the North Pole, right? So I don't know if it's just like that is fed, oh, like really? broadly. Don't they? Yeah, they do. But, yeah. but but maybe that's just the name of it. I don't like that. I wish it had a cool no, name. No, me either. I do like, though, that this episode we get to see kind of like it situated more in this massive continent of yes. ice. It's yeah. exciting. Very cool. Um, so Katara is training with the other waterbenders, um, and she is, uh, sparring, right? And I was wondering, is this the first time we've seen her training with waterbending as a weapon? I mean, other than maybe like the water whip, she uses it as a weapon, but in terms of the training she's done, it's usually not specifically that. Right. It was more, um, balancing or floating the water through the air. Right, right. But not, but like now she's, she's like clearly using this, uh, learning to use this as a way of uh, fighting. Mm. Uh, so she's clearly besting her opponent uh, in this uh, in this sparring match. She's still the only female. Right. Yep. But we see that she is now Master Paku's favorite student. Yeah, he has snarky remarks for everyone except her. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of his, that's kind of his move. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's interesting is she... She seems to have advanced quite a bit. Right. Which makes me think about passage of time. If you had told me, oh, several weeks have passed, but knowing the rest of the plot, like this actually happens really quickly. Right. Or how far away. They weren't far. I mean, we've seen maps and stuff. That's true. They weren't far for Appa. They can't be far for the the Navy. Unless the Navy was still take No, because at the last event at the end of last episode that Navy they was out. there and it was ready. So Yep, yep. So in a in pretty short time she has uh Mm. leveled up which is one of the themes uh for this week uh so we see paku sort of taunting the rest of his students saying would anybody like a rematch and the camera kind of pans over a bunch of defeated opponents and he says katara you've advanced more quickly than any student i've ever trained so there is this sense that this is sort of unnaturally quick Mm -hmm. Uh, you've proven that with fierce determination passion and hard work you can accomplish anything Raw talent is not enough. And then we he looks over at Aang, who is... He's the symbol of raw talent. Right. But he's sitting there just kind of playing with Momo. And I think airbending. I don't even think he's bending water at yeah. that moment. Um, he's kind of lounging there. Uh, and Paku sar- kind of sarcastically mentions that if, if Aang has time to play with house pets, I'm sure he's mastered waterbending by now. There's also a lot of sarcasm in this episode. Mm-hmm. You know who the author of this episode is? No. John O'Brien. Oh, man. Yeah. Is that the only author you, name you know? It's the only one I look for. Okay. Because he has he has divisive episodes. I didn't say that to pierce you or anything. Oh, no, <laughs> just, no, no. I was like, that is the name that always comes up, but it, it is the humor. Yep. It's the yeah. one I look for. So this is a funny episode, and it's like, guess who's there? Yeah. Uh, O'Brien once again. Um, so Aang said, well, I haven't mastered waterbending, but he does this. 
this move where he, it's like he makes himself into a snowman. Yeah, like and he bends the snow up. He's like, well, I don't know if I'd call it mastering. And then he makes a snowman. It kind of reminds me of a more advanced version of the marble trick. Uh, in Kyoshi, where it's like he's real impressed by it and yes. hopes other people will be too. Right. Um, and we pa- Paku just sort of shakes his head. And it's funny too because uh, Katara does as well. She like mirrors Paku's frustration because right. usually she's like on board with Aang's jokes. Which makes me wonder like, how much waterbending has he learned? It doesn't <laughs> seem like we see him doing much. Right. And he's in the most water place you could be. And, and even throughout this episode, he doesn't. And it's crucial that he learned. Yeah, yeah. So, so that that might be uh, kind of problematic for for our hero here. Uh, so then we go to uh, Sokka and Yue uh, walking together through the city, talking, and it's very interesting because she's sort of walking on the sidewalk and he's walking up on the the rail, like the, the rail of yeah. a bridge, which I liked because it it made it turned Sokka back into a kid. Like that's the kind of thing a kid would do. Yep. You know, especially like a I could imagine like a teenage boy doing that to kind of like. Sort of to be to like try to impress, but also just like that's just what he thinks of doing. Yeah, goofing off, having fun. Yeah, I I, I like that. Uh, so Yue is asking him about the South. She says, "So they don't have palaces in the Southern Tribe?" And Sokka says, "I grew up in a block of ice. It's not exactly a cultural hub." Which I also found interesting because it's it sort of gave this picture of Sokka as this kid who's like done the equivalent of like gone off to college far away from home and now has some distance from where he grew up. Yep. You know, cause like you would, ex- I would expect him to be somebody who was fiercely proud of where he was from, but he, he just seems a little more worldly, you know, as he's talking with her, but I will say he seems genuine about it. It doesn't mm-hmm. seem like he, like you can sometimes tell when he's like kind of uh, got his bravado going mm. and, but that doesn't seem to be the case. He's, he really is thinking like, I have seen more of the world and like, yeah, where I grew up is it's ice and snow. I and like that. that he doesn't also paint that in a resentful way either. Like, it's not like he resents being from that. Right. And we'll see later. He, people call him out for being a peasant and, and he is not okay with that. Exactly. So so uh, so Yue uh, laughs and sort of puts her hand on Sokka's shoulder, uh, and this kind of gives Sokka hope, right? And Yue is going to be real hot and cold uh, this yes. episode. She's I find her frustrating. Me too. I wrote a note about that. I don't know if you saw it, but I just the the same as last episode, like mm-hmm. running off. But, but almost more so because I feel like Sokka's kind of come to terms with this and she keeps like initiating and then pulling away and right. initiating and pulling away, which I will say is very realistic, mm-hmm. but frustrating. Mm-hmm. Like that is a, a realistic thing that is frustrating that uh, that people do when they're kind of stuck in between relationships. Um, so then Yue says, this is wrong. I'm engaged. It just feels, and, and Sokka kind of interrupts her and says, I know what you need. You need to meet my good friend, Appa. And I like that my sense is when he says my good friend, Appa, that he means that too. Right. Because he always gives Appa and Momo a hard time, but in the end, he loves them. Yeah. So they go to see Appa while Appa is eating a huge meal. I love whenever Appa's eating. Me too. And he's like out by the troughs and you see like reindeer with him and they're just eating these little bits of hay and he's just devouring. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he says, Appa and I go way back, don't we, boy? And then Appa basically just, like, pins him to the ground and starts licking his like face. Like a dog. Yes. Uh, so they get up on Appa, and uh, and Sokka gives this very cool guy yip. 
Yep. Like <laughs> the really, paws. like yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, almost like like uh, mugging for the camera. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 almost a fourth wall break. Uh, and they fly off together. And this is where I think we finally see the rest of the continent. Like mm-hmm. we see that this is a small bit of carved out fortress in like just a vast Antarctic kind of scenery. Right. Yeah. Right. And Yue is is amazed. Uh, and Sokka actually is playing it really cool. And again, she's kind of hot and cold here too. And and uh, but he's smooth. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, he his his game has uh, has improved from from what we saw. So has earlier. time passed? We never know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe he's leveling up in his terms <laughs> of his romantic game. Uh, and they they almost kiss, but it's Sokka that stops them. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it, again, this is just this very funny moment where he's like, "Whoa, no, no, yeah, good times, good times." <laughs> like it's 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 such a it's such a funny a funny little moment. Yep. The smoothness ends. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Sokka starts to notice that the snow that's falling around them is sooty. It's like gray, black snow. Mm. Um, and then we cut to the city and we see that this soot is falling there too. We even see Momo sort of reach out to try to eat a snowflake and starts to cough, right? Mm-hmm. Because he's he's eating uh, he's eating this soot. And we see that, that the pristine city is now getting kind of darkened. Yeah, and I think pollution's always a sign of the Fire Nation. Right, right. <laughs> Fortunately, I mean, we saw this in the the Northern Air Temple, right? That that they're yep. the result of this technology, this industrialization, is this kind of pollution, mm-hmm. or forests being leveled, or yeah, absolutely right. Uh, Sasaka says, "Soot, I've seen it before. Right before my village was attacked, the soot mixed with snow. It's the Fire Nation." They've closed in on the North Pole, and by the looks of this stuff, I'd say there's a lot of them. Mm. We're getting some Sokka wisdom. Yep. Right? I mean, he's actually, this is going to be an episode where we see Sokka less as a warrior and more as a person who has information and knowledge. Mm -hmm. Right? So we're seeing that wisdom part play up here. So then we cut to the Fire Nation ships, uh, and uh, Zhao is talking with Iroh, and uh, he says, uh, I have this sort of little speech here I'm going to read. He says, this will truly be one for the history books. General Iroh, just think. Centuries from now, people will study the great Admiral Zhao who destroyed the last of the Water Tribe civilization. You're lucky you're here to see it. And I put in my notes, he's really leaning into the genocide at this point. Like, like he's like, guess what? We're going to eliminate a people group. Yeah, and I don't know that we... I mean, last episode he was talking about how he actually has some respect for the water tribe because of its longevity and um but that's why this is one for the history group or yeah. history books too because he's he's going to defeat this thing that people had been afraid to even attempt right and it seemed like before it was more about the avatar and now it's about both of those things right so so iro says be careful what you wish for admiral history is not always kind to its subjects and uh, and what's what i find interesting in this episode and actually both of these episodes is there is sort of this rumination on history. What is history? Mm. Um, how intentionally can you think about cre- uh, shaping your legacy or how much do you get to write your own histories out is definitely, um, he's showing a fatal flaw mm-hmm. in this, right? That that he, like hub- he just, hubris is just dripping, uh, dripping off of him. Uh, he says, I suppose you, uh, you speak from experience. But rest assured, this will be nothing like your legendary failure at Ba Sing Se. 
And Iroh says, I hope not for your sake. And then Zhao tells him to to prepare for the invasion. Everyone keeps referencing Ba Sing Se. Yeah, I just want to know the story. And I and and like a timetable for it. And I just want yeah. to know a lot more. Yeah, we know we know that that the siege was over was nearly two years, I think. But, yeah. but we don't know when that was, and that clearly was Iroh's retreating from military life, right? Mm-hmm. So this might, in some ways, be his first return to military life since then. Perhaps I wonder, I wonder if he sees a lot of himself in Zhao before that attack. You know, like maybe going into Bossing Say, he he was similar. He yeah. wanted to massacre or he you know like take do what it takes right and then after he saw yeah and here's where this actually does this reminds me of the world building in something like game of thrones i don't know if you've did you watch the show? no i haven't so i've watched the the show and read some of the books and um you know they're what they are but what's interesting about them is there is this rich deep world building where there there is lots of references back to um, to earlier things, earlier events, earlier wars, um, without too much explanation always. And you never really get many answers for it? Well, I think if you read everything and all the sure. supplementary stuff you do, just like I assume if you got onto uh, the Avatar... Avatar Wiki or whatever Wiki, it is. Yeah, that you would, you could probably learn a lot about Ba Sing Se. I don't know how much the show is going to tell us, but I love indications that there's a bigger world and a richer story mm. um, here with Iroh. So we cut... Uh, from here to um, the bowels of that Fire Nation ship, and we see Iroh finding Zuko and saying they'll be landing soon. And he asks about Zuko's plan, and Zuko's response is, I'm working on it. Yeah. Which is interesting. Uh, I think there maybe is a degree to which Zuko's an improviser. Yes. I mean, we saw this with the uh, the Blue Spirit, right? That That when he realized that they couldn't kill the Avatar, all of a sudden he switched his plan to, oh, the Avatar is, I'm not trying to steal him from here. He is my hostage. He's my way out of here, mm. right? So so I think he is, I think he is an improvisational, uh, an improvisational person, um, which we'll see how that plays out in this episode. Yeah. Um, then we go back to the North Pole capital and people are rushing about uh, and drums are beating, and there's just this this like hubbub of this preparation for war. Mm-hmm, people running about. Yeah. And my sense is Avatar does scenes like this really well. Like like it's a really quick scene, but I have this whole sense of what the whole city feels like. Mm-hmm. I, the, the drums is part of it. I'd like that. It just feels like okay, now we are preparing for this imminent attack. Right. Um, and we see Yue say to Sokka, "I can't see you anymore." Yeah. Sam. <laughs> I just wanted to be like, why now? Like, why do you have to bring this up now? Like, yeah. There are drums beating. Yeah. You're, you're going to war. Yeah, yeah. This is the uh, weirdest time. But it's, but this scene is going to bring up a theme that runs through these two episodes. Right. That I find really interesting. So right. Sokka says, no, it's okay. We're just friends. And Yue says, I wish we could be just friends, but I like you too much. It's too confusing to be around you. I'm marrying someone else. And Sokka, being very insightful, says, you don't love him, do you? You don't even seem to like him. Yue says, but I do love my people. Sokka responds, but you're not marrying them. And she says, and here's the th- here's mm-hmm. one of the big theme ideas. You don't understand. Pay attention to how many times somebody in these two episodes says to somebody else, you don't understand. Mm. Um, and and it's interesting to think about, are there are these times when people truly don't understand or they just think they couldn't understand? Uh, but but this is the first time we hear this, right? You don't understand. I have duties to my father and to my tribe. 
I have to do this. And, and also duty, like she she talks about her duties to people in the next episode as well. So mm-hmm. like that's another theme of what do you do for everyone? Like what do you do for the greater Absolutely, good? Absolutely, right? We're going to see some, some potential sacrifices, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just like the marriage is a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So then we cut to... Um, what I'm, what I wrote in my notes, I called him. It's it's her father. I called him the king of the North Pole. But then later he's referred to as a chief. So I think chief is actually the mm. what we should be saying. I just didn't know at this point in my notes. So we see the the, the chief in the North addressing his people, and he gives this speech. Uh, the day we have feared has finally arrived. The Fire Nation is on our doorstep. It is with great sadness I call my family here before me. Interesting, you know that that his nation is his family, right? Mm. This is, he's kind of speaking to everyone. I call my family here before me, knowing that some of these faces are about to vanish from our tribe. And here we cut to three people. Mm-hmm. So first it's, we see Yue. Mm-hmm. Then his it, actual family. Yep. Then it cuts to Paku. Mm-hmm. Then it cuts to this young man who we, we haven't met yet. Young, attractive Yeah, a pretty soldier. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and it's like, it's so... <laughs> Uh, portentous to be like, okay, wh- it's sort of like if you've ever seen ads for like uh, the the last episode of a season of a show and it's like, one of these people will die. And then they <laughs> cut to, yeah, yeah, yep, exactly. Like, so that sort of felt like that. So I, when I saw that, I thought, okay, w- somebody out of this group isn't going to make it through. Right. Now, the obvious choice would be the person we don't know yet because it's because like most things would tell us, right, that, that the characters that we know are less likely to die. Mm-hmm. Or the uh, the other the next obvious choice would be Paku because it's like the old master dies. Right. right. Like like those are the things that we're like see. But then we also see uh Yue is this person who's talking about duty and, and sacrifice. And sacrifice. So it's actually really well done. I I went through those three and was like, I don't know. But yeah. it, but it was clear we're gonna lose some people. Right, right. Um, which is interesting because I this show has mostly just been building out people without losing them but but I, you have this sense that this battle might actually have stakes and consequences yeah and even when death is shown it's it's not ever shown it's just off screen right right um so we see those faces and he says but there will they will never vanish from our hearts now as we approach the battle for our existence i call upon the great spirits the spirit of the ocean the spirit of the moon be with us I'm going to need volunteers for a dangerous mission. So it's interesting. He invokes the spirits. So we've so we saw this in Winter Solstice one and two. We mm-hmm. we we got the spirit world, um, and then we kind of haven't really done much with that yet. But clearly, this is a group of people for whom uh, the the spirit world is a deeply important thing. Seemingly more so than in the South. It seems like that. Even. Even how in the like celebration speech from last episode, the chief also mentioned the spirit. So did his daughter. Mm-hmm. It's a part of every conversation, it seems. Right. So this seems like a more, I don't know if I want to use the word religious, but a more religious world than than what we saw in the South, which also makes sense of Sokka as man of science, right? Science mm-hmm. boy. Like he, he didn't grow up in a place that was so deeply rooted in, in sort of thinking about the spiritual connection to place into being and those types of things. So he ends by talking about needing volunteers for this mission and Sokka is the first one who jumps up to volunteer, which sort of reminds me of the kind of like um, overdramatic romantic hero who's like, if I can't be with the person that I love, then my life is of yes. no value and I'm just going to run headlong into this. you know. And that's definitely the, the image we get of Sokka here. 
And it's not the only, like, this is not the only or first time that Sokka's just run into exactly. situations like that. Exactly, right. From the, I think the second episode, yeah. we see him doing that, right? Um, so the, the chief says, be warned, many of you will not return. Come forward to receive my mark if you accept the task. And we see the king putting three red lines on each volunteer's forehead. Did you notice that those red lines, what they're from? I did after you pointed it out. So the three lines are from, they're on the title screen where, so on the title screen, um, they have like the chapter name and the book name. And then in it, there's also symbols that are, um, I'm assuming from the language of the world, right? Mm -hmm. And so one of the symbols is that one and it stands for water, the book, so... That's the, so they have like the ocean spirit symbol on their heads, right? So 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 that's so you know that that and that is marking them as being there for this uh, for this special mission. And we see Yue looking on, and we see Sokka getting the marks, and he sort of looks back at her, and then she looks away and starts to cry. So then we cut to Aang, kind of at a high point in the city, you know, overlooking it. Um, overlooking the bay, uh, the water, and we see the chief approach him and says, the stillness before the battle is unbearable. Such a quiet dread. It's a good line. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Aang says, I wasn't there when the Fire Nation attacked my people. I'm going to make a difference this time. He stands and we hear sort of heroic music play. And this is interesting because when the, I mean, the, when Sokka and Katara's um, home was attacked by the Fire Nation. They were too young, mm. right? Aang was not there. Aang wasn't part. So, so these are people who've been damaged by this and have their had their lives ripped away by them. But this is their first chance to really stand and fight. So it makes sense, you know, that they would have stakes in this battle too. Um, mm-hmm. And and I really I I really like that. You know that that Aang is thinking this is my way to make up for what I ran away and what he perceives as what I ran away from. Right. And I wonder how that would have ended differently had he been there. But, yeah. Right. I mean, Katara's take is that it It wouldn't wouldn't have mattered, right? right? Um, So then we cut to the soldiers and Aang and Katara and Sokka all standing on the gates of the city, staring off at the sea, uh, waiting for the attack. Mm -hmm. And we see on the horizon what looks like one ship appear. (laughs) And then suddenly a huge, huge fireball uh, flies at the city, causing a, an explosion. And so, that, and so there's already a big crack in the wall just from that first fireball. Yep, yep. And, then, and we, then more come. Yep, yep. And the horizon is just like full of ships. Uh, not yet. Oh, not yet. Not yet. First, we're we're still just seeing one ship, but mm. we're seeing more and more of these fireballs come. So Ang and Appa go to fly off to kind of survey the situation, uh, and they still just see one mm. ship. So Ang uses uh, airbending to divert one of the fireballs kind of just off into the a different part of the of the iceberg glacier. Uh, and then he glides down to the ship and takes on the fire soldiers. And he destroys... So these, these fireballs are getting fired by these catapults. Right. Right. And he destroys a catapult and then he like ties two of them together and they just... You know, they destroy themselves. And the whole time he's like giddy. Yeah. He's like, this is what I could have been doing before when my people died. And he's feeling like I'm winning, right? Like this Mm -hmm. is, this is the battle for the existence of this civilization and and I'm winning it. And he does it with ease like he always does. And he always does, he always fights with like a smile, Mm -hmm. it seems. Um, But that doesn't last for long. Right, right. It reminds. It does remind me a little bit of the the uh, the battle on on. Hoth, I'm sorry for a Star Wars reference, but the battle Hoth, on Hoth because the frozen yes world right. But but it reminds me of when when Luke goes into the big Adat Walker and like takes it down mm. from the inside. Like that's kind of what Ang's doing. He's taking out this ship by using its own weapons on it. Yeah, yeah. You know. Um, 
so then we see Aang is attacked by this, I guess, a fire soldier with these, like, hammers on chains. It's, this sort of feels like the, the big boss on this ship. <laughs> right. You know? Um, and Aang is kind of chained to one of the catapults, and it's Appa that flies in and just sort of throws the guy off the yeah, ship. Yeah, like takes him with his paw and then just flings him. Yeah, yeah. It's great. So that that is definitely a a, a homicide we can put onto Appa. Yeah. He, he killed that guy, right? Yeah, he did. Uh, this episode especially, we have to just come to terms with people die. Uh, yeah, and yeah. Appa, Appa does it too. So then they uh, they fly off, and as they get hired, they realize that this one ship isn't the attacking force. Right. This is just the vanguard for a massive invasion force. And I did a rough count of what you saw on the screen, which didn't capture all of it, and it was 200 ships. Ooh. But it seemed to be even wider than that. So, I mean, 200 is a an underestimate for the number of, of these vessels that are attacking. So mm-hmm. Sokka was right. There was a lot of them. Um, then we go back to the city. Uh, we see the king giving orders to hit this, the special volunteer mission. He says, uh, you will be infiltrating the Fire Nation Navy. That means you'll all need one of these uniforms. And we see one of the troops, the, the pretty boy from mm. the uh, the sort of for- death foreshadowing moment. He walks in in a Fire Nation He's uniform. He's like modeling it. Right. And Sokka starts to laugh. And, and then he, he tries to hush himself. Like he knows right, it's not right to right. laugh. But he says, Fire Nation uniforms don't look like that. <laughs> and the uh, the pretty boy says, of course they do. These are real Fire Nation uniforms captured from actual Fire Nation soldiers. And Saga's like, what, like 100 years ago? And the king's like, well, 85. But like, <laughs> so, so you know, these are, these are older uniforms, right? He says, the Fire Nation doesn't wear shoulder spikes anymore. The new, newer uniforms are more streamlined. <laughs> right. So this reminded me of like um, in, in World War I, like when the the French first go out to fight, uh, to 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 fight the Germans, they're still in like an antiquated version of what warfare is going to be. So they go out in their blue coats and red pants, mm. like it's the Napoleonic Wars, mm. and and like a lot of them are slaughtered because of because they're easy to see, right? Mm-hmm. And it's this idea of like uh, th- this sort of made me think of like oh th- th- these like. Um, Water, na- water tribe people have like this antiquated war idea of what this war is going to be because they've been isolated from war. Yeah, you know, and and we're going to see that this is a highly mechanized war right. that and they're going to be facing. And we know from the Air Temple that it's all new technology because um, what was his name? Ta- Ta- Taos Ta- dad yeah, yeah. is developing it. So there's there's no context for that. But yeah, when we say spikes, those spikes are huge and very de- decorative. Right, <laughs> right, uh, and. The the pretty boy who's going to get a name in a second here uh, is indignant uh, that the, a new recruit like Sokka would speak up, and uh, and the chief says Sokka is from our sister tribe Han, so that's his name. Mm. Uh, he is a capable warrior, and I value his input. I value his wisdom. Mm. Think about it that way, right? Uh, our first objective is to determine and identify the commanding officer, <laughs> to which Sokka point, pipes up and says, his name is Zhao, middle-aged, big sideburns, bigger temper. He says it almost out of boredom. Yeah. He's like, I know, you know, and it's it's kind of interesting because, again, these are people who are isolated and Sokka, like we were talking about before, has seen the world, right? Yeah. He's he's confronted Zhao. So he's the only one here who really knows what they're facing. Right? And 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 he comes from a place that has already been attacked by these people. He knows what this means. 
so then the king is like, I want you to tell everything you know to to Han, right? Yeah. So he like tasks Sokka with being kind of in charge of Han. This right. Kind but of he also, but he also says that Han is going to be leading the mission. Right. And he says, I want you to give Sokka your respect. I expect nothing more from dun, 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 my, <laughs> my future, future son-in-law. son-in-law. So this is who Yue is going to marry. Yes. Right. And Sokka seems shocked to learn that this is who she's going to marry. They even like growl at each other. <laughs> There's yeah. a lot of anger between these two boys already. Yeah. I mean, and Sokka has, has multiple reasons. Han doesn't yeah. really, other than he's sort of offended that this person from the south and we're gonna he's gonna show his true colors about his thoughts about someone from the south right you know this guy just reeks of just like privilege and being handed everything in his life i'm thinking exactly right maybe i'm projecting so back outside we see the fleet continue to launch fireballs at the city and uh, paku leads the waterbenders and attempts to try to catch the fireballs in this like pillar of snow so they'll like bend up and it It works pretty well because water puts out fire right these are uh, these are kind of natural enemies, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. so it's sort of interesting seeing them uh, face each other. And we see Zhao watching the attack from the bridge of his ship. And uh, Iroh with him says, it's almost twilight. As your military consultant, I must advise you to halt the attack. The waterbenders draw their power from the moon. Did we know that? No, I don't okay. think we knew that. We knew that the moon clearly was important to them from their symbology, but right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they draw their power from the moon, and it's nearly full tonight. You should wait and resume the attack at daybreak. Okay, couple things. Why would they choose the day that the moon is nearly full to go attack? Right? Yes. Well, they know that the Avatar is there now. Right. I don't know that they know the Avatar is going to remain there. Um, Zhao... Also, Iroh knows this, but Zhao may not. True. I don't know, right? Yeah, and he also doesn't do a good job of waiting, mm-hmm. as we know yeah. from his former teacher. Im- impatience. You're, yeah. I mean, that, that that's probably the bigger thing, right? Is yeah. like He's like, I have the power right now. Um, so, yeah. And I also like that Iroh, I don't think Iroh's saying that just for Zhao's sake, though I think he does have some some affection or care for him, but it oh, seems he, like... he cares for the troops. Yeah, he wants to preserve life yeah. and avoid massacre. Yeah. So Zhao says, oh, I'm well aware of the moon problem. So he does know. But he's impatient. Yeah, he says, I, I'm working on a solution. I'm working on a solution to the moon. <laughs> also, both him and Zuko are both like, I don't really have a plan, but I'm working on it. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Uh, but we'll see that Zhao has more of a plan yeah. than, than that, right? Um, he says, but as for now, daybreak it is. So the, the ships uh, anchor and cease, uh, cease firing. So um, it's interesting because he does listen to, to Iroh. Mm. Like, Zhao needs Iroh. I mean, he, there's a reason he asked him to be a general. He doesn't like Iroh, but right. he's like, I, I, need, I need the wisdom you have. Um, this also, another World War I thing, made me think of Last Post. Right at the end of the day, when when the, when it would get dark and they would, uh, you would stop firing, and this is mm. when you would sort of collect your dead. You would go find the people you were fighting with to make sure they were still alive. Um, and I think of that because the next scene we see after this, the the firing ceases for the day. We see Aang and Appa return to the city and meet up with Katara and, 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 and Yahweh. Yeah, and it's yep. so it's it is sort of like okay, we've made it through that day, right? And and, and we see Aang really in a one of the tougher spots we've seen him in, right? He says, mm-hmm. I can't do it. I must have taken out a dozen Fire Navy ships, 
She's like, good for you, boy. Right. I mean, single-handedly. <laughs> but there's just too many of them. I can't fight them all. And, uh, again, Yue is Unhelpfully. Fr- frustrating me. She says, but you have to. You're the avatar. It's like, duh, Yue. State the obvious. Yeah. But yeah. also, I guess she's, like, all about sense of duty. So maybe there's that. Right. But, I mean, is the avatar supposed to destroy navies <laughs> like, like is that i mean it's supposed to bring balance and yeah i don't know i mean the expectations seem a little high for what's yeah this. and not and i'm not saying for what a 12 year old supposed to do but for like what even the most powerful person are they supposed to be able to just take out a yeah i i mean i don't know we because we have never seen like a fully realized avatar either but she hasn't either just right big assumptions right. so ang says i'm just one kid and he kind of hides his head in his hands, and Katara comes up to comfort him. So b- back on Zhao's ship, uh, we see Iroh go into the room where Zuko is preparing. And Iroh drops a piece of very Iroh wisdom on, on him. He says, if you're fishing for an octopus, you need a tightly woven net, or he will squeeze through the tiniest hole and escape. I rewatched and then reread those words so many times, trying to be like, what is this about? Right, because you know he doesn't, he's not just saying this, right? So, right. So who is the octopus and what is the net? Right. Right, is 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 Zuko the octopus? Is Zuko the person hunting the octopus? Mm. And what is the net? So, I, I mean, I'm assuming, um, he, here's my guess. And again, I don't know that this is true. And I've seen the next episode, so I st- and I still don't know that this is true. But this is my thought, that... Zuko, the octopus is Aang, right? Because mm. Zuko is hunting Aang. Mm-hmm. And the net is the plan. Uh. And Zuko as this sort of improviser, because he keeps asking him, like, what is your plan? What, you know, what, are, you, are you ready? What are you going to do? Right? So that was my read on that. Sure. That, that you, because he seems frustrated with both um, Zhao and Zuko to be like, you guys are just running into this, but like, what is your plan? So that that was my yeah. re- that was my read on. At that. At the same time, I'm not certain that even um, Iroh's like end goal is for the Avatar to be captured, either. Right, like, but he knows that that's what Zuko's right. goal is, right? And he seems on board with that because he says that's why he's there. He's like, he right. says like, I'm going to get you there, and if you do what you need to do, the Avatar will be yours. Right. right. So, yeah. So Zuko says, I don't need your wisdom right now, Uncle. Iroh says, I'm sorry. I just nag you because, well, ever since I lost my son, I think of you as my own. Iroh had a son? Mm. I don't think, I just, I, I don't think we knew that, did we? No, we didn't. So I, I never pictured Iroh having a family, having children. This makes his relationship with Zuko so much more interesting Mm -hmm. to think about Zuko is a proxy for, I mean, Iroh is a proxy for Zuko, right? For his father, a stand-in, but that Zuko is a stand-in for Iroh's son. That I did not know. And this is one of my favorite scenes I think that we've had so far in the series because it, yeah, it reveals that and it's very tender. Yeah. and, And so Zuko says, I know uncle, We'll meet again after I have the Avatar. And we see them embrace. I think uh, Zuko stands still and Iroh kind of lunges forward for a hug. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and, and Zuko leaves on a small boat and Iroh is yelling to him, remember your breath of fire. It could save your life out there. And put your hood up. Keep your ears warm, <laughs> right? So what's interesting is like there, there's different kinds of advice. And we're going to see we're gonna see that all of that advice is going to come in mm. uh, really to be really important and really uh, really handy for, for Zuko. Um, 
when I when I watched this scene, I thought, I wonder if Iroh's son died at Ba Sing Se. Did you think that too? I feel like that but, might be why there's so much heaviness with that. Yeah, and it's it's, it's it comes down to like the age of people. Right. I was going to say like, well, how wouldn't his son be Zuko's age? But not necessarily because Iroh seems pretty old. Maybe, right. Yeah. Is he the older brother of Ozai? No idea. I, I've never really seen Ozai. That's true. You know, like, and I again, I the seems like really powerful people like Boomy can live a long time. Right. So Iroh, for all I know, Iroh could be 90 years old. I, just, <laughs> I mean, I don't think so because, again, I think that Sozin is, um, is not Zuko's grandfather. I think it's his great-grandfather. Right. I think. Right. So... Um, it seems like there's another generation in there, but yeah, but it, it could be like, there's so much more we'll, we'll, I think learn. I hope learn. Yeah. I mean, I, cause I think book two is earth, right? Right. And Ba Sing Se is the capital of which kingdom? Earth. Earth kingdom. So I presume, I presume that's the Emerald city for, mm. for the, the, uh, the second book is, is, is going to be the, the last stand at Ba Sing Se or something like that. Right. Again, I have no knowledge, but that's my guess. We have to wait till then. That's right. Um, so then we cut to Sokka and Han, and they're sharpening their weapons, preparing. Han Han is kind of bragging. says, let me tell you, Sokka. He says, Sokka. Soka, right? He mispronounced, <laughs> which is what I called him in the first episode, and you corrected me. Uh, he says, listen, Sokka, uh, I've courted a lot of girls, but Yue's the finest, and she comes with the most perks. Ew. And Sokka looks very disgusted, and Han says, Yue's nice and everything, but the points you gain with the chief aren't bad either. So Sokka says, Princess Yue is wasted on a self-absorbed weasel like you. Not wrong. To which Han responds, what do you care? You're just a simple rube from the southern tribe. So he's showing, I mean, he's showing this bias, right? Mm. What would you know of the political complexities of our life? No offense. So again, he's saying, you don't understand. Which is so frustrating after he's the only one that knows anything. Right. (laughs) Of that entire crew. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So then Sokka jumps on him and they start to wrestle. Right. Yeah. And I think Sokka's like, you're a jerk. No offense. Right. Right. Very, uh, very uh, guy kind (laughs) of argument here. And here we see the chief come in and break them up and says, Sokka, you're off the mission. And Han says... All right, fallen men, everybody listen to what I say, and we'll take out this Admiral Cho in no time. <laughs> and Sokka is irate because he got the name wrong again. <laughs> and it's just like, I can't believe this is the person who's leading the mission that now I got taken off of. The yeah. thing I volunteered for, you know, I was willing to sort of sacrifice my life for the sake of what UA cares about. And now he's not even allowed to do that. Yeah. Um. So then we cut to Zuko on his little boat, kind of working his way into the Water City tribe. Um, and we can see his uh, blue spirit training here. Oh, yeah. He is so smooth, too. Yeah. He has uh, he has some dope outfit changes. I was going to say the same thing. I wrote that in my notes. It's like, because most of the other people just wear the same stuff all the time. But he, he throughout the show, wears different things. But, like, this is like... Uh, uh, Okay, this is going to be a reference you're not going to get, but in the old G.I. Joe cartoon, Storm Shadow was like the winter ninja guy. Oh. It's very Storm Shadow-like. Like, it's this nice. is this is maybe the coolest look that Zuko has. Well, and like for somebody who can't plan out the mission, like he sure plans out his fits. Yeah. And that's, I mean, good on him. Yeah. Sartorially, he he's, he's well prepared. Mm. 
And he he obviously packed this uh, this outfit, right? Maybe Iroh packed it. That could be. Aww. That could be. He's like, because it, it's white. It's mm-hmm. this white outfit, which at first I was like, mm, that makes you stand out. But he's going to a, a mountain of ice. Yeah, it's so. camouflaged. Yeah. Smart. Um, so we see him follow some seal turtles. Is that what oh, they look yes. like? They're turtles, but with seal heads. They're so cute. Yeah. Um, so he follows them into a hole in the ice. He's like, well, clearly they're going somewhere. Mm-hmm. So he jumps in. And this begins a sequence of Zuko scenes that terrify me because um, drowning under the ice is something which terrifies. The uh, thought of that, living in Minnesota where lakes freeze o- over, terrifies me to know. Absolutely. End. And it feels really claustrophobic when he's swimming through. Yep. These not, not just for the record, not the way I'd like to die. Okay. Um, so then we see Yue talking to Katara and Aang, and Yue says, The legends say that the moon was the first waterbender. Our ancestors saw how it pushed and pulled the tides and learned how to do it themselves. Which is so which is really interesting, you know, thinking about like where does water bending where mm-hmm. does these where do these bending arts come from? Um, Katara says, I've always noticed my water bending is stronger at night. Yue says, our strength comes from the spirit of the moon. Our life comes from the spirit of the ocean. They work together to keep balance. So these two spirits of the moon and the ocean. Mm. Uh, And Aang says, the spirits, maybe I can find a way to get their help. Yue asks, "How how can you do that? And Katara says, the avatar is the bridge between our world and the spirit world. Aang can talk to them. This made me so happy that we had Winter Solstice 1 where we get the Spirit World Bridge because that felt like this is random. Yeah. But they were clearly laying track for 10 episodes later to say like, oh, yeah, this is... Remember that? Yeah. This is this thing. And and he kind of knows some stuff about how to do this. So that was one one sort of callback that I really appreciated Mm because I would have hated if right now was when we learned about the spirit world. It would have felt like they just threw it in. Yeah, like, okay, well, we need to have some something magical to help us win this. Right, right. But instead, it's like, no, we've actually been wrestling with the spirit world for a little bit here. So I, I, I really loved that piece of, of sort of plotting as they were putting this together. Yui says, maybe they'll give you the wisdom to win this battle. And says, or maybe they'll just unleash a crazy, amazing attack on the Fire Nation. Which would wisdom. be nice. That's yeah. good too, right? <laughs> uh, so again, we see we see Aang's youth there a little mm. bit, and and I I'm always I'm always for that. Katar says the only problem is the last time you got to the spirit world was by accident. How are you going to get there this time? Because um, if you remember, right, he was just trying to save Sokka, and he touched the uh, right. the Hei and but got maybe sent into the spirit world. I wonder if the initial entrance into the spirit world is like more circumstantial, and then from there you can. Do it more easily. I know I don't very know. little about the spirit world. Yeah, I don't know. But Yue says she has an idea. Like, so we see Yue lead uh, Aang and Katara to what I presume is like the water temple. Like it seems like this big structure at the center of the city. Yep. Um, and um, Aang says, so is this the way to the spirit world? And she says, no, you'll have to get there on your own. But I can lead you to the most spiritual place in the entire North Pole. How how common knowledge do you think that this is? Because, like, does the average person in the North Pole know about this? I think so. Because, okay. again, I feel like this is in the same way we have the uh, the sanctuaries in the air temples. Mm. I, I view this as sort of the sanctuary, the, the except that they just go through this little round door. 
I wanted a waterbending lock. Right. Because, you know, like that would have been cool but to I, see Katara open a waterbending lock. Yeah. Or have it be a two-person one where Aang and Katara both have to do it would be rad. It's just, it's interesting that it's like such a, an important spot of the city and it's not guarded. Mm-hmm. It's just two, like a double door and it's like clearly because they haven't been attacked. Well, They've never had to guard it. Yeah. And what's interesting is they go through this like really low round door, mm. which somehow made me think about Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. Um, which is interesting because just a little foreshadowing for next week. We're, next week we'll actually make it into the spirit world, which seems very Alice in Wonderland. Agreed. So I wondered about that. Like it just it it felt like something from the Disney Alice in Wonderland. Like they had this. Even Ang had to like stoop down to go through this little round door. Mm-hmm. So they they go through this small round door and they get to this little grassy area, which is crazy because we haven't really seen grass. Um, that's like this kind of warm oasis in the middle of the water temple. Mm. And UA says, it's the center of all spiritual energy in our land. We see a large white fish and a large black fish circling around each other in the pool. Eternally, yeah. Yeah, just like it's just in a circle that just keeps going and going. And Momo starts to reach for them, and we see both Katara and UA looking disapprovingly <laughs> at him. <laughs> I think not only is... Um, is Momo not a vegetarian? I just think he wants to eat everything. So, <laughs> I so. Which is, which is, I actually like that he and Sokka are actually kindreds in that way. Oh, that, agreed. That it seems like both of them, it's always just like, well, what's there to eat here? Yes, true. Yeah, which I like. I like oh, that. Oh, I like that too. Um, and we, so uh, Aang says, you're right, Yue. I can feel something. It's so tranquil. Tranquil, and we see Aang sort of sit and begin to meditate. Under this archway yep. that's in front of the pond. Uh, so we cut to an underground cave where where the, a group of seal turtles are now barking around um, this pool. I love this scene because, uh, so so Zuko emerges from the water, right? And he like, it's he's freezing and he climbs out and all these barking seal turtles are like, who are you? And he like barks back at them, shut up or something. <laughs> he right. like yells at these animals. <laughs> Uh, and he's freezing. We see him fire breathe to warm himself, which that's what I wrote. One of the things uh, I wrote said, yeah. don't forget about your fire breath, right? Mm. Um, so he finds this area where there's water rushing down through this shaft in the cave, and he holds his breath and starts to climb up. So here's, again, where we're getting to stuff I don't love to watch somebody do. Yeah. But if anyone can do it. The blue spirit can, right? <laughs> Uh, so now we see Sokka in the training facility. I don't know where this is. Uh, and he's sharpening his boomerang. And the chief comes in to ask him if there's something wrong. And here we get sarcastic Sokka again. He <laughs> says, oh, no. Han's out there on a top secret mission while I'm in here sharpening my boomerang. Everything's fine. And the chief says, he says, listen to me. Uh, I took you off the mission for a selfish reason. I have a special task in mind for you. Sokka, not believing him, says, like, what, do you want me to scrub the barracks now? And the chief (laughs) says, I want you to guard my daughter, Princess Yue. And Sokka's like, oh, sure, that shouldn't be too hard. And he seems to have this, like, mix of happiness and apprehension. He's like, "Uh uh-oh. Yeah. But, oh. (laughs) Because it's like, I get to be with her, but, like, we've already seen that that's just not moving in a direction that... uh... (laughs) Have you seen the kombucha meme girl? No. Okay. Um, please Google this after. Okay. But it's uh, someone took a video of themselves after they drank kombucha for the first time. And the face goes from like, oh, oh, oh. And like all these different emotions of like, this is cool. Not actually. I feel like that was his emotion. He right. was kombucha meme girl. Right. Anyway, that's a very specific reference. 
So then we cut back to, to Zuko, who's still swimming underwater. Uh, and he finds a place to pop his head up for breath. Then he goes back down to swimming. Uh, and he follows this underwater cave up to light, but finds that it's covered with ice. So he's pounding against the ice, but he can't break it. And we can tell he's running short of breath. And he puts his hands on the ice and sort of firebend melts it, melts his way through. And he comes up into this circular drain pipe, maybe, for the water city. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, but he's, he's now, like, has made it into the, the bowels of the city. Mm-hmm. So we cut to Aang, who's still sitting at the oasis meditating. And behind him, Yue and Katara are whispering back and forth about him. And he's like, I can't concentrate he's and like, meditate. Yes, I can hear every word you're saying, right? <laughs> uh, then he starts to stare at the two circling fish in the pond... Uh, and they look sort of like the yin and the yang. Yep. Right? We uh, see that image like appear above them. Right, right. And and they eventually just sort of become that, mm-hmm. right? Which is this this symbol of balance, right? That it's the the we see the black fish and the white fish sort of um uh sort of forming that. And then we see Aang suddenly crosses over into the spirit world, right? His eyes light up, his the arrow lights up, and um What's interesting is, and I noticed in your notes for the next episode, you also referred to this as the Avatar state because it looks the same, which makes me wonder, in earlier mm. episodes when we saw him enter the Avatar state, was he? is that him entering the spirit world as well? Oh, sure. Yeah. Where, like, what is he conscious of in that state? Right. Because in Winter Solstice, we see him, we actually get to see it from his perspective. Mm. And in this, we're going to eventually see it from his perspective. But those other times we've seen him enter that... Is he also in the spirit world? Mm. I guess maybe that's the bridge. I don't know that like in the avatar state, he's in both. That could be. Yeah. I, it's very interesting. Like, like I, I hadn't thought about that, but that's, it looks like that as mm. well, which makes me wonder then when he was in the iceberg for a hundred years, was he just in the spirit world? Oh. And if so, why is he not familiar with the spirit world as much? Yeah, yes, true. And he, I mean, he acts as though he wasn't conscious of anything that happened when he was in the iceberg for a hundred years. But I don't, yeah, maybe he just doesn't remember. Yeah, so it's, 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 I think those are unanswerable questions, but I think that I'm really interested in sort of knowing more about that. Mm. Right, so, so then he's just sitting there, right, and Katara says he'll be fine as long as we don't move his body. That's his way back to the physical world. Yui says, maybe we should get some help. And Katara says, no, he's my friend. I'm perfectly capable of protecting him. To which I wrote, very ominous hubris there, too. It's like, (laughs) I don't need help. I can do this on my own. Yeah. And it's like, I didn't love when I heard that because that just feels like that's... Something's coming. That's going to be a problem. Yep. And guess what? Something is coming because right at this point, Zuko approaches. And he says, well, aren't you a big girl now? (laughs) Hand him over and I won't hurt you. But we see Katara prepare to fight because she's been training. Mm. Zuko starts bending fire at her and she fends it off with water. Then she bends a wave at Zuko and knocks him back. So this goes back to something, a theme from very early in the in this season. We see he's underestimated her. Um. Right? He's thought like, oh, I know who this is and I know what you're capable of. And all of a sudden she's just shown him something he didn't expect. And so he's, he's mad about it. Very. He's like, I see you've learned a new trick. But I didn't come this far to lose to you. Mm. Uh, they keep fighting. Katara rapidly bends more and more water until he's encased in a huge ice ball. Yeah. 
which you know makes me think of of Aang and the iceberg, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and from inside, you, we hear him say, "You little peasant," right? So again, we're hearing this kind of class language. "You little peasant, you found a master, haven't you?" So he's realizing, like, oh, this isn't just you kind of learning on your own. Like, you now, 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 we—he's recognizing that she has reached a new level. Mm. So Zuko explodes the ice ball. And fire bends back at Katara. He tries to grab Aang's body, but she bends him away and, like, bends water and freezes him up against the yeah, wall. Yeah, like, and, makes a mountain almost up yeah. to the wall. And for some reason, that holds him in the way the ice ball didn't? I mean, yeah. The only thing that was open was his head, right? Like, right. I don't... Was he conscious or what? Did, was he knocked out? That might be it. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that might be it, yeah. Because it, cause this clearly seems to be like, okay, now he's stuck there, Yeah, right? she won, yeah. So we cut to Paku and the other uh, Water Tribe soldiers, and they're staring out at the ship as the sun is starting to rise, mm. right? So the new day is coming. We've, we've, we're reaching daybreak. So Zhao and Iroh uh, are on his ship, and Zhao says, daybreak at last, let's rewrite history. Ew. Yeah, yeah. Again, just the, the, the sort of ruminations on history and hubris are, are strong in this, yep. right? So the sun also rises on Zuko, who's still frozen to the wall in the oasis. So we see Zuko, now that he has the sort of power of the sun, right, breathes uh, and melts the ice that's encasing him. Mm. So Zuko runs at Katara and firebends her down. He says, you rise with the moon, I rise with the sun. Something we never knew until this episode. Yes. So so w- what's really interesting about this is that means that fire and water really are bound together, mm-hmm. right? Um, which makes me wonder about like air and earth. How do they play into this? This season's had so much fire-water Duality that's like, but there's these other ones too. And what role do they play? And are they at odds? Is like earth and air at odds with each other? Right. Because there's got to be some kind of balance with that. Right, right. So, so which I'm guessing is going to be uh, fodder for season two. Mm. Um, so uh, we then cut to the Fire Navy ship as they, ships as they start to pierce the walls of the city and we see the landing force start to flood in. Zhao says the water tribe can try and resist the inevitable, but their city will fall today. Mm. So we see Katara finally come to at the oasis, and she sees that Aang is missing. So Momo runs up to her as Sokka and and Yue fly in on Appa. And Sokka asks about Aang and Zuko, and Katara says, he took him right out from under me. Sokka asks where they went. And we cut to Zuko carrying Aang's body, trudging through the snow, as the camera pans up to show this blizzard of snow falling from the sky. And they're on top of the continent. Yeah. So that's the end of our episode. So this one really does end with a cliffhanger. It's all of these different elements. Like, everything is uncertain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every, every plot that's going on. Right. We don't know. We have yet to see Aang in the spirit world. I lo- That was a, a plot choice that I loved. Is they don't we know he's there and it's been there for a while, but we they they hold that back from us in this episode and they're mm. gonna wait until episode twenty, the last episode, till we see what he's been doing yeah. um during this time. We also know that daybreak is when the Fire Nation is its strongest and now they're like emerging on the city mm-hmm. and we don't know 
what that means for people like Paku, where we saw that that flash scene from the chief and we're like, oh, these three individuals, like, is right. it, who's it going to be? Exactly. And we know that Zhao has some sort of plan for the moon. Yes. Right? That was very ominous. Because um, there is this sort of ticking clock of, well, you during the day, you have your power. Which is a brilliant setup story-wise, right? Mm-hmm. That, that that each side has a weak and a strong point in the day. And they, yeah, they have to plan out their whole battles around that. So uh, big themes or ideas you see in this episode? Man, I don't know. It's just setting us up with so many different stories. Right. I do feel like this this one, they really did just make a two-part episode where they called Winter Solstice 1 and 2, but... I feel like those also kind of stand alone. Mm. I mean, the number one propels us into number two, but they stand alone with the resolution. This one, they I love that they sort of gave up on resolution. If anything, we get um, kind of a, a you know, our, this, here's our empire ending, right? Where it's like we have one of our heroes in peril. We have the others feeling like we've we've lost. We've lost something. It seems like... Things, this is the darkest moment. It's dark for the city. It's also kind of dark for Zuko because he's wandering in the in this blizzard. We don't know where he's headed. We don't know what his plan is. We don't know if he has a plan. Yeah, he probably doesn't. So they have. This is the first episode that they've really ended on a note like this. And mm-hmm. what I'm curious about is, is this going to be because it's the end of the season, or when we get into season two, are they going to be more comfortable saying? We're going to end this on a cliffhanger. Mm. We're going to, you know, we're, we're, I'm, I'm curious about that because I find this, this ending was really powerful because I just wanted more. Right. Agreed. Um, we also get Iroh's, uh, octopus hunting advice. Yes. Which I gave my take on, but I don't know. I think that's, I think yeah. that's right. And I'm always, I'm also curious what Iroh's role is going to be in all of this too, because he seems like almost a neutral character. <laughs> Yeah. Doesn't he? Yeah. He seems like he's just wise. Yeah. And he's like, I am here to give advice to whoever will bother to listen to me. Right. And he sort of, it's sort of like he's surrounded by people who won't listen. It's um, it honestly, I know we have heard, a, or we know that he can see the spirit world. He seems like a spirit individual that is neutral, that just allows things to happen around him. Yes. You know? Except that he's he's also aiding... Mm, that's true. He's aiding a. He's aiding two sides, really. Zuko and and Zhao. Like he's he's not giving them bad advice. He's not sabotaging sabotaging Zhao. He's saying you should dial back the hubris, but he's not saying I'm going to do this so you don't succeed. Like actually, he was right about uh, Twilight and right. waiting till daybreak. I mean, right. He seems the most balanced person. Yes, which is something we know about him, right? Yeah. Um, other things that we've talked about, we saw the spirit world come back, which excited me. Mm. We have this, this haunting who's going to die in the next episode, which I'm really curious about. Um, yeah. And, and then I think that the other thing is the Iroh family stuff. Like, I'm yep. so curious. This feels like, and it has felt for a long time, like this is headed towards a Sozin family drama. Mm. Um, at some point, which also makes it feel a little Game of Thronesy. Yeah, I was going to say that. That reminds me of that. Yeah, because it's like the story seems like it's about this, but it's like, but actually, there's this other family where we could do a whole, probably a whole season on that, right? On their and, family history, yeah, right, on the family history, but also on the family drama within it, right? Mm. Because you have Iroh, who is, I think, other than Ang, the most powerful person we've encountered, and. 
we don't really know that much about him. And he is related to all of these major players in this story. Right, that we haven't really seen. Right. So there is this kind of drama there, too. And and, and, and we've only been hinted at um, at, uh, at Zuko's father. I know. And it's like, do we have to wait until book three? Probably. To flesh out some of that. I assume so, because because I uh, my guess is they're... By the way they titled this from even the very beginning, they knew there was going to be other books. Right. And, and, you know, you can presume it goes water, uh, earth, fire. Mm. And so so I'm guessing a lot of this Fire Lord drama is season three stuff. I mean, they'll be seeding things, but... Yeah. Yeah, I think we won't see that until then. <sighs> I want it now. All right. Well, that is all the time that we have. This was uh, a really great episode. Again, we're only dropping one episode this week, but we will be back next week. Um, to talk about part two. If you're enjoying this, please email us at channel channel 3900 at gmail.com. When we get into season two, we're going to be dropping just one episode a week, but we are going to be, I'm working to line up interviews with uh, people who are fans of uh, I was going to say fans of the show, meaning fans of Avatar The Last Airbender. <laughs> fans um, of ours. Right, right. But no, I want to talk with people who grew up on this show. I, I probably at this point have seven or eight people who I've talked with um, from ages ranging from kind of uh, mid well, actually from early 40s all the way down to people who are in their first decade of life mm-hmm. um, and I, I'm just curious about all of their perspectives on it so if you would like to be part of that please email me um, and we'll, we'll we'll connect you into the show uh, at some point you can go to our website if you want to f- uh, backtrack and, and listen to uh, find all the episodes for this that is mm-hmm. avatarwithacademics.wordpress.com and you can read the synopsis you can leave a comment Yeah, we would love some interaction. So um, that is all that we have. We will be back next week to talk about the last episode of season one. Chapter 20, Siege of the North, part two.